Journey to Pascha, Orthodox Spiritual Reflections on Great Lent, brought to you by the Greek Orthodox Christian Society of the Greek Orthodox Archdiocese of Australia. In this episode, Dr. Gregory Reditus, leader of the Young Men's Group at the Greek Orthodox Christian Society, discusses the significance of the Holy Cross, which is commemorated on the third Sunday of Great Lent. On the third Sunday of Great Lent, we commemorate the Venerable Cross and Crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is our symbol and pride. We carry it on ourselves by wearing it, and we adorn our homes with it. Its symbolism is found everywhere inside the Church. As we know, before Christ, the cross was a curse. However, Christ used it as a weapon to defeat the devil. So now, it has become our pride, strength and stamp. So much so, that it has become an integral part of our everyday life. In St. Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 6, verse 14, he says the following, But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. And what is the boast of the cross? Christ, who is God, for my sake took on the form of a slave, and willingly accepted to suffer for me, a slave, his enemy. He loves me so much that he gave himself up to becoming a curse for me. Therefore, if God did not deem it shameful to be crucified for me, I, in return, in gratitude, should be proud of the Lord's infinite love on the cross and talk about it to everyone. I shouldn't be afraid to wear the cross, to do my cross, and have the cross as the center of my life. If I think and act in this way, then St. Paul's words ring true in my life. That is, the world has been crucified to me and died to the world. But what does this verse mean? Let us break it up into two parts. The first part, the world has been crucified to me. In other words, the affairs of this life and the praise of men, its glory and wealth, do not captivate me. They do not overcome me. These things have no power over me. So in other words, the world is dead to me. And the second part, I to the world, in other words, I do not desire all these superficial things of life. I don't put my hopes in them. They are not my aims, priorities or dreams. I am so detached from the norms of this world and have totally disregarded the things of the world that I have become, in effect, dead to them. St. Paul is totally disconnected from the concerns, aims, practices of this world. He has no desire to boast, except in the cross of Christ. His focus, in the worldly sense, is the opposite. In other words, he takes pride in what the world disregards, in what the world counts as shameful and absurd, that eternal life comes from an executed man. The cross becomes the central reference point and the basis of all wisdom and truth. But let us also study Christ's words that are even more specific to what our lives should be like. Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross 
and follow him. We can break this verse into three parts. Denying oneself, taking up his cross, and following Christ. This is the whole mystery of our life. Let us study the first part of what exactly what Christ says. Whoever desires, in other words, whoever wishes, Christ never forces us. This is Christ's greatest gift to all of us, our freedom, the basis of our lives, which is our free will. But what about God's will? What in fact is God's will? Allow me to quote again from St. Paul's letter, the first letter to Timothy, in chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Saviour, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God wants all of us to be saved, to find him. But on the other hand, what do we as humans want? What is our will? What are our desires? Some people want to be with God. Others don't want to be with God. But what about us? Sometimes we want to be with God, and other times we don't. Sometimes we just want to follow our own rules. We just want to sin because sin is too sweet. We forget about God or we simply want to put him to the side just for a little while. This unfortunately is our will, which is totally against God's will. But God who loves and respects us so much, in fact, steps away and so to speak, forces himself not to fear with our freedom. It is the greatest gift he has given us. Therefore, true love is dependent on our freedom. But don't we all want to be saved? Is it not enough to want to be saved, to have the desire for salvation? In fact, it's easy to say, I want to be saved. But many times we add the small little phrases after this. I can't stop this sin. Or I am too weak. Or it's in my character. But if we push ourselves just that little bit and struggle a little bit more earnestly, God's grace enters. Let's continue with our verse. Whoever desires to come after me. What does to come after me mean? In other words, let us offer God our intention and God in return will grant us strength. Give God your willing heart. God, I want to follow you and God will grace us with strength. But so many times we waste our heart on so many other things. If we give God our heart fully without reservation, that means we put him first. He is in line, at the front. In this way, we assure ourselves of certainty, safety and stability. The verse, to come after me, means to place ourselves in line with God himself, with truth, perfection and immortality. And in this way, we start to form a deep relationship with God. He is first, we are in line. He controls, we follow. He guides, we do as he did. We follow the same road. We travel along the same way Christ walked while he was here on earth. And in this way, we know that we cannot get lost. It is the same with life. If we get sidetracked with worldly temptations, if our heart strays here and there, or when we get attracted to superficial things, we lose our guide, we lose our direction, we lose the target. In fact, we miss the mark. Missing the mark in Greek means amartia. I fall into sin and get lost. But we like pushing the barrier many times. 
You might think, I can follow Christ and at the same time look at other things. I can do two things at once. I can have my cake and eat it. It's a good trick of the devil, following God and mammon, following the world and God. It's a sure way of getting lost. It's like sticking our hand in the fire and saying, I won't get burnt. This is why Christ was so harsh on the double life, double standards, in other words, hypocrisy. If we follow along with our verse, the next is, let him deny himself. But why should I deny myself? What wrong has the person in me done? After all, God created me. What is the purpose of Christ's words here? What aspects of ourselves do we need to deny? Christ doesn't mean to deny our being, our personality, our freedom. This is the basis to being saved. What he does mean is denying our old habits, about our bad self, our passions and evil intentions. In other words, our weak, sick self that loves itself and falls for all its weaknesses. This is what we should deny. But how do we deny our sick and proud self? Well, every day and every moment, when our old self wants us to do what it wants, we say no. But this is hard. It needs a lot of internal strength to go up against ourselves. It needs a lot of spiritual muscles. It's very painful to refuse my wants and desires, but this is the only way to deny myself. It needs hard work, sweat, internal warfare and tears in order to rip out the internal mental and emotional chains that drag me down. In fact, it requires changing our inner core, the old man inside me who is connected inside me. But many times we have inherited spiritual illnesses that need warfare. We may get impatient by nature or get angry easily. Maybe I criticize others at the drop of a hat or become self-inflated because I have a few talents or maybe get despondent and depressed easily. And all these can naturally feel very difficult and heavy and very difficult to fight off. But Christ doesn't only ask us to fight these and deny ourselves. That's not enough. More is required of us. After Christ asks us to deny ourselves, he immediately invites us to take up our cross. And what is our cross? Very simply said, it's anything in our life that hurts. Whether it is a death in the family, a sickness we are to endure, a difficulty in our life, a failure or painful situation we come across, be it physical or emotional, maybe a friend, a trusted friend deceives it or hurts us. Our cross includes the bad things other people do to us as well, because maybe we're Christians, when they tease us and make fun of us and say lies about us. Struggling to become Christ-like also is a cross. This means working very hard to remove sin from my life and then placing the load and burden of Christ on my shoulders. In other words, working hard to put on Christ through prayer and fasting and vigils and cultivating the virtues. These all need a lot of effort. But all this effort helps us become children of Christ, to take on Christ and to become Christ-like. We must never forget to keep Christ near our hearts and keep him close by. He should be our priority. All else is secondary. In fact, this life is vain and all it has to offer is vain. Vanity of vanities, all in vanity, says the preacher. 
That's the beginning of the, the book of Ecclesiastes. And only Christ is all and in all. Therefore, if we follow Christ in what he did and how he lived while he was here on earth, through his humility, his sacrifice, his love, and being a servant, if we follow him in this way, my life then takes on full meaning. It's just like the athlete who is focused on his goal while he's in the stadium competing. He doesn't look out for his friends or the crowd or other athletes. He focuses on himself and only then can he reach his goal. Our aim is to make the most of all aspects in our life, to fill all with God and have him as our compass in all we do. But don't forget, all of us must carry a cross in their life. Whether we want to or not, that's the way life is. We may carry our cross with anger or refuse to carry it in the right place or with wrong intentions as did the thief on Christ's left who died miserably or we may carry Christ's cross, carry our cross with him at the helm and make good use of all our opportunities and bear fruits as did the good thief who was the first to enter paradise. Finally, after we deny ourselves and carry our cross, Christ asks us to follow him. Our road is obvious. It has been cleared for us. We can't get lost, and the road is Christ himself. He said, I am the way. All we need to do is simple. Follow him with all our heart, all our mind, all our strength, and all our soul, and do as he did. Then, and only then, do all things become easier, whether it's our pains, or our struggles, or our failures, or our difficulties. Christ himself said to us, For my yoke is easy, and my burden light. When Christ is with us, all becomes easy. No.
We hope that you have enjoyed this episode of the Journey to Pascha podcast. Please be sure to subscribe on your preferred listening platform and check out the Greek Orthodox Christian Society YouTube channel, our website at lichnos.org, that's L-Y-C-H-N-O-S dot O-R-G, and our Orthodox Journey Facebook and Instagram sites for even more Orthodox spiritual content.